Baptist Church. It's good to see everyone out today. Danny, you gonna step up to your microphone this service? Okay, Danny's gonna step. I was uh, in the first service. I just wanted to just say a word of appreciation to our praise team, everybody that had anything to do, our our faci uh, facilitating people for making sure that you had the stuff that you needed to walk off streets. Yeah. Um, for the great um, events people that we have that got us food trucks, like we yeah. needed that, right? Yeah, well, it was good. Yeah. yeah, but if you weren't here Friday night, we had the full-on glow stick jammy jam for Jesus, the, the first annual. The first annual, yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. At 9.30 at night, the lights go down, God took turned off the lights, he puts up air of the day, and it got really glow sticky. We had day. great weather, too. It was cloudy, so it was super dark. Yeah. Really yeah. good weather. So we were very blessed. Had a lot of people in the community stop by, put up chairs, and sit there. If you were one of those people, um, thank you for coming and supporting us. It was just uh, a great opportunity for us to do something in the community. Um, another reason to eat, as this Baptist didn't need it, but we got it. But the exciting thing was? Yeah, we got a video. Got we a got, video. Yeah, we got a video. Watch this. This is the most exciting thing that happened right. tonight. Right. So this is my so this is my buddy Nathan, he's down in the tub here, and he has given his life to Jesus, isn't that right? And he said he wanted to be baptized, we found the coldest water that we could find, and put him in there. So, Nathan, did you accept Jesus as your personal Savior? Yes. I promise to follow him all your days. It is my pleasure to baptize you, my brother, Nathan. Mason's back there. He is, he is not going to stand <laughs> up and wave your hands, are you, Mason? You want to stand up and wave your hands? Come on, do it, do it. He's right there. That's so awesome. I'm just so sorry, Mason, that Danny put cold water in that tub. That's the only thing I, I felt bad, but I know that you enjoyed getting in the water, so I hope that worked out well. Yeah, I mean, what a great way just to reach into the community. Um, and in these times, guys, uh, that's what our community needs to see, that God is still moving and working. And you guys are just awesome because you continue to let us do that ministry. And you guys are a part of that. And we say thank you for being a church body that always is looking outside of the walls. Um, it's what I told Danny and the people in the first service, that when Mason got baptized and that erupted, all that yelling and screaming, is the first time in 22 years that I've lived in Burlington that it past 10 o'clock at night when somebody was screaming and hollering that loud that there weren't like 400 sheriff's deputies came with you. You know how it is in, in Burlington because they all just get going. And uh, But we're just so appreciative of that and uh, we're blessed by that. I hope you found a Bible study. If you're joining with us today, we just thank you for being a part of our Bible study time. If you didn't this week and this is just your first time joining with us, know that at 930 we have Bible studies for every age. And we would invite you to be a part of that. If you need to find a group, um, just let us know. We have wonderful people that work out in our guest relations area, and they would put you in the right direction. Or you can call the office this week. If you are a guest today, we just say special welcome to you. And first-time guests, we ask you to especially stop out at our um, welcome table, fill out a card so we have a record of your attendance. But we have a gift for you just for being with us today. And it's just our pleasure that you are going to come and 
and worship your God in a mighty way today and join us as we do that together. So if uh, you're all ready for service, because I am, you guys have put in a lot of preparation. I know you guys did, and we appreciate it. We have Brother Rob Patterson that's going to be bringing the word today. He is the leader of the evangelism area at the Kentucky Baptist Convention, and he's going to be sharing with us today. And we're just so blessed to have him. And remember to continue to pray for Harold and Jenny. They've got a much-needed couple of days off to themselves in Amish country. I told the youth that they probably got a carload of cheese coming back down there or whatever they, whatever you buy in Amish country. So just be in prayer for them. Just be thankful because of the time that um, they do in service here at the church. It's just mighty to take God away. So join with me for a word of prayer and we'll begin worship. Father, we just thank you for the day. We thank you for this week uh, that you've allowed us to reach out in our community. And now the week ahead of us, Father, uh, things like going back to school. Uh, it's right at the top of our list, and we know it might not look like something that uh, we're used to, but Father, we know that you're present in all things, and we follow your leadership and your guidance as we make decisions. I pray that you're with the teachers, you're with all the administration, the people that are in decision-making places, because it can't be easy, and Father, as uh, those decisions are made, just allow them to make the decisions that are going to best suit our students and just bless their lives, prepare them for living in this world. And it just seems crazy now, Lord, but we know again that you're on the throne each day. So we put it in your hands. And Father, we want to pray for our students because this is something that while they got some practice in the spring of doing this, it's a whole different uh, view of what school is going to be like for a while. Just be with them as they study and they move through the, the obligations that they're going to have keep them safe and, and keep uh, them focused on what they need to do. And again, Father, allow them to use their opportunities to share the love of your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, as we move through this world each day, through the craziness and the stuff that just seems like it tears at people and pulls them apart, let us as people of faith and understanding know that we're bound by a Savior who died for everyone. And because of that, Father, just let us lift up the leaders of our country and the people that are making decisions. Father, we just ask that you would uh, let your spirit lean on them and share your knowledge and your wisdom about what they should be doing. And especially with the stuff that's ahead of us, Father, um, don't let that be a divisive thing, but let us see the, the hope and the plan that you have and everything that's done and said. Today in worship, Father, let your spirit lead. Let us just feel your presence. Be with the praise team as they lead us in song. Be with Rob as he brings the word. And again, Father, we thank you for giving Harold and Jenny just some time for rest this week. And we just pray that uh, you give them safe travels today. Be with us and guide us. And let us lean on your understanding, Father. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning. I got a couple more things to talk about before we get started. Brother Carl's back there with the deacon ballots. Those are due today. Uh, so if you didn't get one and you want to raise your hand up, he can bring you one or you can grab one on your way out. Um, also at 4 o'clock today, we're going to meet over at Burlington Baptist Church. Uh, Burlington School, we're already at Burlington Baptist Church. We're going we're gonna to meet over at the school. We're going to do a prayer walk around the school. And next week we are having um, uh, communion. So if you know of anybody who is at home that might want it, have them get a hold of the church office, and um, we can get that, somebody will get that over to them. So other than that, we're going to stand up.
You don't have to yell far, but stand up and find somebody to talk to and yell at. Don't move around too much and just tell them how happy you are to see them this morning.
So uh, Josh is going to pray over our offering this morning, but uh, before he does, we're not passing the plate, like I said this morning, because there's something going around where we're not supposed to do that. So the offering boxes are the black boxes as you leave the sanctuary. I think there's two on either side and, and one out front. And also the Dollar Club box. So if you feel led to give to that, please give to the Dollar Club. It is extremely helpful. Brother Josh. All right, guys, pray with me. Lord, I just want to thank you for giving us all this opportunity to come into your house this morning and to worship you, Lord. Lord, I uh, thank you every day for filling this room with people and uh, filling this room with people with hearts for you. Lord, I just thank you for all of them, and I pray that you bless the hands that give this offering. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. You guys have a seat. Good morning, church family. It's a joy. Well, it's great. It's a joy to be with you all this morning. It's already been a fun morning, our 830 worship service, Sunday school time. And uh, besides just being a beautiful church family, I've heard of at least two reasons, maybe three reasons I'd like to come back sooner than later. Uh, one of those, Danny, is food trucks. Uh, you mentioned that. That doesn't sound, yeah, that doesn't sound bad at all. Uh, the second is our brother Harold coming back with a carload full of cheese. Uh, that didn't sound bad either. And then thirdly would be baptisms. Man, what a joy to be able to watch uh, on the video, see Mason being baptized, uh, celebrating his faith. That's all exciting. Uh, I am Rob, uh, which is only significant for you this morning because on your behalf, I have the joy of serving, uh, as Jeff mentioned, as the evangelism team leader uh, for the Kentucky Baptist Convention. Now, here's why that's relevant and important for you. That is, on your behalf, our team has the incredible joy of helping to facilitate statewide evangelism initiatives such as crossover, the gospel to every home, equipping events that happen. Everywhere we go, we're going as an expression of the ministry of Burlington Baptist Church because of your generosity with the cooperative program. Our team also uh, coordinates church planning generally and multi-language ministry specifically. You, you know where you live. There's an amazing thing the Lord is bringing the nations to Kentucky. Now, you may not have known as you came to worship this morning, your church is a church-planting church, but that's true through your gifts of the cooperative program. You're actually helping to support right now about 43 uh, church plants that are meeting all across the state of Kentucky this morning, about 10 other church-planting apprentices that are in the pipeline working with churches to get there. Now, here's one of the amazing things about those 42 churches that your church is helping to plant across Kentucky. Probably 60% of those are in the area of multi-language ministry, meaning the folks who are part of those churches, their heart language, their first language still is not English. And so as we gather for worship this morning, because of your kingdom generosity, we have churches meeting all across the state who will be worshiping today in Burmese, Chinese, Karin uh, language, a variety of Hispanic congregations you can imagine, West Africans, Korean, the list goes on. It's amazing. Last Sunday, I had the chance to preach in two of your churches uh, through a translator. I've not done that since I was one of your IMB missionaries on the field, but had a chance to preach in a Korean church and in a Nepali church. It was amazing. Thank you for your generosity of getting the gospel to the nations. You also are helping uh, impact lostness on our collegiate campuses. Our, our team helps do that. Not only are you ministering to Northern Kentucky University in partnership with Josh Skipper and uh, the BCM here, 
but you're also impacting right now about 20 other campuses all across the Commonwealth. What an unusual time to be coming back to college, but you're helping provide a very positive witness. Thank you, Burlington Baptist Church, for your faithfulness to give to the cooperative program, your, your commitment to kingdom purposes. Uh, you know, I'm very grateful this morning to be able to come uh, and be here as Harold and his family are getting some important time away, counting on getting some cheese out of that trip, it sounds like. I hadn't thought about that earlier, but I'm leaving with a negotiation point this morning with Brother Harold. That's exciting. I'm thankful for Brother Harold personally. Aren't you incredibly grateful for the wonderful job your pastor and staff are doing right now? Well, why don't we say thank you for the people God has put here. As you already know, our pastors, our church staffs are being asked right now to try to provide creative answers to questions nobody was even thinking about just a few months ago. Week to week, it's a very complicated time. They're doing the best they can. So I hope that you're being very faithful to pray for your staff, find ways to encourage them as they keep trying to serve you and to help you serve your local community. But you know, there are some questions that haven't really changed, have they, in these last few months? In fact, there are some, I think you might agree with me, have only grown in their importance and maybe have only grown in their urgency. Questions such as, who's your one, right? Who's that person that, that's really close to you, but best we can discern still far from God? Now, all we mean to say by that is, We've not yet had an opportunity to have a personal conversation with them, a spiritual conversation of a level to know for sure they know Christ in the way that we know Christ. Pastor Harold began asking that question of you many months ago pre-COVID, and I promised him that while I was with you this morning, we would sort of lean into why Hoosier One needs to stay number one in our hearts and in the culture of our local churches, of why we need to actually double down, why we need to probably be more intentional now than maybe we've ever been before in our lives to be faithfully praying for our ones, the people that are close to us and yet still far from the Lord. First one I can remember praying for at this way in my life was a friend named Jason Range. The Range family grew up, or he grew up, on a farm sort of adjoining to ours. And so we, we grew up together, as I just said. You know, we played sports, worked in hay together, rode the same buses, went to the same schools. We shared life in that way that only the very best of, of friends possibly could. But then in our high school years, Jason was diagnosed with, with terminal brain cancer. They started just immediately pretty aggressive chemotherapy, radiation treatment in his life, but, but it wasn't very long, or at least my memory of events makes it seem like it wasn't very long before he needed to be admitted into the cancer wing, Children's Hospital, on a long-term basis. My mom drove me down to Knoxville a couple of times to go and visit with him, and each night before we go, you would have found me physically, literally on my knees beside my bread, praying obviously for my friend, but praying more specifically that as a, a brand new believer in Christ myself, that God would help me, God would give me the courage, God, God would show me a way to, to share with my friend about Jesus. Well, we'd, we'd make the trip down there, and there were always all these extra people in the room. I mean, you could imagine nurses and other folks coming and going. It just always felt so awkward, and I'd end up not doing it. And so you can imagine that 40-minute drive home, and you've been there too, right? I mean, obviously not the exact same circumstances, but similar. And 
kicking myself on that drive home, thinking, man, what's wrong with you? You know, why, why don't you just say something? You know, at least, at least try to, to get the conversation going. And, and I would encourage myself, as I know you probably have tried to encourage yourself in those kind of moments, to say, well, well Rob, you, you know, I'll do it next time. I'll do it next time for sure. Then came the call. My buddy had passed away in the night. He invited me, several of our, our kind of buddies that played sports together to be the pallbearers in his funeral. And I can, I can remember that, that day after the funeral, after all the food, after all the activities were over. I remember walking across the holler, as we call them, in East Tennessee and climbed into the loft of the, of the range barn. And I, church, I just wept. I just wept in that moment. We'd been friends our whole lives. We were, we were high school buddies, and so uh, the men in the room know. I mean, that means we talked about, like, everything, the most nonsensical of things you can imagine, and yet I had never found a way to, to talk to him about Jesus. And so I, I made a determination in that barn that night. I determined that with God's help, I would never allow myself to be embarrassed or ashamed to try and share the gospel again. Well, under entirely different circumstances, the Apostle Paul is making basically that same declaration in our text for this morning. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And I'm so excited to be able to share this text with you because the Apostle Paul doesn't simply come and say, Hey, listen, do the good you already know you ought to be doing. Pray and share with your ones. I think he does that, but more than that, he gives us four compelling reasons that none of us should ever have to hesitate or, or be ashamed at all to share with our one or anyone that we meet. And so I'm excited to share those with you this morning. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. The words will be on the screen for you as well. But Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Wow, what a, what a wonderful text. May God add a blessing to the reading, now the preaching of his word. For, quickly, four reasons we need to keep Hoosier 1 number one. I would say, first of all, we need to keep Hoosier 1 number one because the gospel is the good news about the person of Jesus. Now, now, if you were to go home and look up the word gospel in a Bible dictionary, I don't know that I would encourage you just to sort of do an open Google search right now. Lord knows what might pop up. But if you go and you were to look the term in a, in a reliable Bible dictionary, you'll see gospel literally means good news about Jesus. Tells us who he is, what he has done for us, what he has still yet promised to do. And so if we're understanding it correctly, we can affirm the gospel is 100% about the person of Jesus. In fact, in his letter to the Corinthians, Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, said to them, while I was with you, I resolved to know nothing except, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Church, that's the gospel message. And I'm convinced that, that one of the reasons that maybe the vast majority of professing Christians today, followers of Jesus like us, maybe one of the reasons the vast majority of us are not trying to share our faith with anyone is we have allowed the enemy of our soul to convince us the gospel is about something else. 
I think many of us have bought into the lie that the gospel is just another religious conversation. Maybe worse than that, it could be seen as one of those intolerant political conversations. But that's not what the gospel is about, is it? It's about having a personal relationship with God through faith in His Son, Jesus. And that's something drastically different. I'm looking out and I wonder, how many here this morning, how many of you either in person or watching online today are grandparents? Let's see those hands. Come on, grandparents. I said, there they came. I thought, my goodness, I've never seen grandparents that slow to say, yeah. So let me ask you, grandparents, how many of you have ever had any difficulty turning basically any conversation into a conversation about your grandkids? Yeah, like you're laughing around, like never, right? Like we've all seen the pictures. I'm a guest preacher. I've only been here a couple of hours. I've already seen some of your pictures, right? And so, and we love it. We love the way you love them. And so we don't get bent out of shape, do we, church? When when somebody comes, they want to tell us that story about their kids or their grandkids or their fiance, you know, maybe for the third, fourth time. We, we don't get bent out of shape about that. We, we realize you just can't help it, right? You just, you just love them so much, they bring so much joy to your life. But Christian, could I say to you, I think that's probably one of the things that confuses and confounds our lost friends more than anything else. If Jesus really is who the Bible says that he is, if Jesus can do in a life what the Bible says that he can do, and we say that we know him personally, that, that we have a relationship with him, and that he's done those things in our lives, our friends can't help but wonder, well, then why aren't you talking about it? We've convinced ourselves today that nobody wants to have a conversation about Jesus, and yet I would say to you that poll after poll, it doesn't matter who does the poll, they continue to show the same thing. The vast majority of Americans still hold a very high view about the person of Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean they, they know who he is necessarily, but they hold a high view. And so what that means is they don't, they don't have a problem with Jesus. If they have a problem with anybody, those same polls might say that it's people who say they know Jesus but don't really act like him. I don't know about you, but if we're being completely honest this morning, I have kind of a hard time being around those people too, don't you? If I'm being fully honest, I'm most embarrassed of myself when, I, when I'm guilty of acting like one of those people. But listen, friends, you don't have to be hesitant. You really don't have to be afraid, not even in this crazy, divisive climate that we currently find ourselves in. Your ones know that you care about them, right? I mean, that's what makes them your one. You've got a relationship, a friendship with that person. And so if you come to them humbly, if you come to them just in the spirit of, of saying, hey, listen, I've obviously not gone through exactly what you're going through right now, but you know what? I've gone through something similar in my life. Can, can I just share a minute about how knowing Jesus got me through that time? Or if you were to say to your friend, hey, listen, you know, one of the most important things to me, I, in fact, I would say one of the things that makes me me is my relationship with Jesus. Can, can I just talk to you for a minute about why he means so much? You know, listen, church, if you come in that attitude, if you come in that, that spirit, I think you'll find that you're one, and for that matter, almost anyone you meet would be willing to have that type of a gospel conversation. Wouldn't you agree? And so we have to keep who's your one, number one, in our hearts because it's about Jesus. Secondly, I would say to you, we need to keep who's your one, number one, because the gospel 
is the power of God. Did you catch the verse? Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Paul isn't saying it tells us about the power of God. He says it is the power of God for salvation. Now, we know Paul's writing to us in the Greek originally, and so he uses a noun here, dunamis. Dunamis describes intrinsic power. All that means is it describes the kind of power that just inherently exists because of the nature of the very object itself. In other words, you don't have to create or generate or stir up this kind of power. You just have to find a way to activate it. You just have to find a way to turn it loose. In fact, dunamis is the root word from which we get our word dynamite. They tell us that Nobel, when he was discovering TNT, asked someone, what's the Greek word for explosive power? They said dunamis. He said, let's call it dynamite. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but it's the story that I read. What we do know is we Kentucky boys know a thing or two about dynamite, right? And we know that all it takes is a simple fuse to turn loose the explosive power that is found within a stick of TNT. And listen, church, the Bible over and over and over again tells us that simple faith is all that it takes to turn loose the explosive supernatural power of God that he has packed into his gospel message. Bible says that's all, a willingness to believe, a willingness to put all, not some, all your trust in what Jesus has done for us. The Bible says if you can find that kind of faith, it will release the power of God in your life and your life will never be the same. You say, Brother Rob, you don't really know about me. You don't, you don't know what's going on. But what I would say to you clearly is, listen, understand the gospel is not about trying to figure out how to clean your life up first so then you can find your way to God. It's not, it's not about trying to find a way to do enough good things to balance it out, all the bad things we do. It's not about anything you can do for God. It's entirely about what God has already done for us through His Son, Jesus. And the Bible tells us we can find faith in that. Dunamis not only describes inherent power, but it describes achieving power. And what I mean to say by that is when applied, the gospel always has more than enough power to do what it says it can do. You say, Rob, you don't know me. You don't know the first thing about my one. How could you stand up there and make a promise like that? That's fair. But we know everything we need to know about the man who's writing these words, right? And, and we understand historically, we're talking about a man who was known for persecuting the church. Acts chapter 9, we find Paul, who was known as Saul still at that time, and Saul is on the Damascus Road. Why is he on the Damascus Road? He's hunting down Christians. He is leading persecution against people for nothing more than professing faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And the reason that these people are scattered, the reason they're on the run, is because this persecution that Paul and others have stirred up against them has become so violently severe, they are in fear for their lives. But Paul, so you hear that, Paul is doing everything he can do to stamp out the name of Jesus, and yet it is Jesus who graciously, lovingly comes looking for Paul on that Damascus road. And, and when the scales physically would fall from his eyes, Paul was finally able to see what I pray you'll be able to see this morning, and that is that everything Jesus was doing 
all the suffering that we see at the cross, all the horrific details of his death upon that cross, Jesus was doing all of that for one reason, so that people just like you and me, even murdering persecutors of the church, could find forgiveness, could find hope, could find salvation, could find new life through faith in the name of Jesus Christ. No wonder, listen, no wonder Paul could never get over. He experienced the grace of God in his life in unreal, just like you and I have experienced the grace of God in our lives. If you stop and think about it, most of the letters we have from Paul in our Bibles, like Romans, were written by a man literally in chains. Why is he in chains? He could not, he would not stop talking about Jesus, even under the threat of imprisonment. What about you? Maybe you didn't come this morning looking for Jesus. Possibly that was the farthest thing from your mind. Those of you who are watching online, when you're just kind of scrolling through your feed, and you end up hanging out with us for a little while. But here's what is so important for you to understand this morning. God will never stop looking for you. He's not going to stop pursuing you and His love and His grace. It's why He sent His Son Jesus, what he did in Paul's life, he wants to do the same in your life this morning. And he can do that in your life if you will just turn and put your trust in him. In fact, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that before we leave here this morning. But, but I want to stop and I want to ask for a moment, what about us who've already come to know Christ? What about us who have already experienced the grace of God in our lives. Think for just a moment, where were you when God found you? Where, where would that road have taken you? Where would you be this morning if it were not for Jesus in your life? I think if we stop, church, and just reflect even for a moment on all that God has done for us, all He's protected us from, all that He's rescued us from, how can we not be telling the people we love about the love of it doesn't cost us anything, nothing in comparison to what it cost Paul, and yet we have allowed ourselves to be scared all so often in the sin of silence. So we have to keep who's your one number one, because the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Thirdly, we, we need to keep who's your one number one, because the gospel is the priority need. It is the priority need of everyone, not just your one, but everyone. Now, I know that's a crazy, audacious statement to make in our culture today, isn't it? That the greatest need of any person you'll ever meet is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Going beyond that, saying the only hope of salvation for any man, woman, boy, or girl living anywhere is to hear the good news of Jesus and surrender their lives to Him. That is probably the most politically incorrect thing we could possibly say today. But, but I would encourage you, church, to, to remember what the text is saying. And maybe, again, maybe one of the reasons that so few of us are proactively sharing our faith right now is, is maybe we're doubting that. Maybe we're no longer really sure, is, is Jesus really the way? But I would encourage you, remember what Paul is saying in the text. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God of the salvation. For who? He says, for, for everyone. Everyone who believes, the Jew first, but then also for the Greek, as we read it this morning. I wonder how many of you that have your Bibles open in front of you, how many of your translations say instead, the Gentiles? Uh, the, the point of that is you realize Paul's talking about 
us, right? And so the only reason any of us this morning had a chance to have our lives changed by the power of the gospel, the only reason any of us had a chance to ever even hear the gospel is because Paul and countless others like him, faithful followers of Jesus, understood Jesus Christ came into the world, why? To seek and to save sinners. That the gospel was never just good news for the Jews, but instead it was God selecting a people through whom all peoples might have an opportunity to hear the gospel and get saved. Could I say to you, that's still exactly what God wants to do through his church today. He's commissioned us, he's called us, he's commanded us to go. Now listen, I, I really don't want to oversimplify this, but... In this particular point, I'm speaking primarily to my brothers and sisters in Christ, not as much our, our friends who are still trying to figure this faith thing out. So forgive me, but for the sake of time, let me just, let me just ask you, brother, sister in Christ, if it's true that there are many, many different ways a person can find their way to God, many ways a person can find their way to heaven, again, you believe in Jesus, tell me, why would Jesus have been willing to go through so much? Why would Jesus have been willing to suffer such a horrific death on the cross, knowing that all he was doing was really just giving us one more path, one, one more way on the spiritual smorgasbord. If, if it's true that, that every person can create his or her own truth today, then, then why does Jesus so emphatically say, I am the truth? I am the way, and then time and again commission us as his followers to go and make disciples of all peoples. Listen, we, we must keep who's your one number one because the gospel is the priority need. There's nothing your one needs to hear anymore. There's nothing your neighbor here. There is nothing that you need to hear more than the good news of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God and the salvation. Well, finally this morning, I say we need to keep who's your one number one. Because the gospel reveals and it provides the righteousness of God. The, the gospel reveals to us and then provides to us the righteousness of God. You notice verse 17 in our text, Paul continues on and he says, For in it, for, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now again, for the sake of time, let me say this morning that Probably the simplest definition of righteous would be right. If we're saying that a person is living righteously, we mean to imply that he or she is living rightly, correct? Aren't you glad God does all things right? That our God is a righteous God. So here's one of the things the gospel begins to do for us. It begins to help us understand at least a little bit. I don't think fully, but at least a little bit, it helps us begin to understand this incredible dilemma that God faces in saving us. How could He forgive us of our sin and yet remain righteous in doing so? Now, I know for some people there, there's no real tension there because a lot of us today want to believe that, that every person's going to find his or her way to heaven, that, that a loving God is, is never going to judge anyone, a loving God would, would never punish anyone for their sin, certainly not sending a person to hell. And listen, I understand that sentiment. Man, I totally understand the sentiment behind it. But let me, let me stop for a second and ask, who really wants to believe in any concept of a God who is not righteous? And a God who will not do what's right? 
does it really make sense to us to believe in a God who isn't just, who would not stand for justice, but instead would just idly, passively stand by and allow sin and hatred and cruelty and violence just to go on and on and on and never be called to account, never be punished? I think you know in your heart that can't be right. Something in us cries out for justice. Where does that come from? It is because God is a just God. And so we see in the gospel the righteousness of our God who cannot, will not, just sort of look the other way, pretend nothing's ever happened. No, there is a penalty that must be paid. But as we continue looking at the gospel, we see not only that righteous judgment, but we see the grace of God, the love of God that that he would send his son who willingly takes that penalty and that punishment upon himself. And so again, as we see everything that's happening to Jesus, all that he suffers, the horrible death that he dies on the cross, we see that he's doing that for me. He's suffering the penalty that my sin deserves, that your sin deserves this morning. And so when we looked at the gospel, what we began to see is your sins have already been rightly judged. They've already been rightly condemned. That penalty has already been rightly fully paid through the death and burial of Jesus. But more than that, the gospel proclaims to us how now through his resurrection we can have the righteousness of God imputed to our very hearts and lives through faith. Here's one of the things that I'm afraid Sometimes we don't understand about this glorious salvation that we enjoy. And that is, if all that God does for us is forgive me of my past sin, as amazing, glorious, overwhelming as that is, do you realize it still wouldn't be enough to save us? Sin isn't just about the the wrong things that we willfully do, but it's equally about the good things that I'm not willing to do. It's why Paul, in just a couple of chapters, would write the verse, all have sinned and, and, fallen short of the glory of God. A fully forgiven version of Rob Patterson still falls woefully short. I, I, I fall short of the life that Jesus lived for me. I, I fall short of the, of the life that God would want for me, that, that God would want for you. But when we confess our sins, when we turn from our sins so that we can turn in faith to Jesus, yes, in that moment, all our sins, past, present, future, are forgiven by God's grace. But more, more than that, the Bible tells us when the Holy Spirit comes and brings saving faith to your heart, He is also in that moment imputing to you the very righteousness of Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, you can look it up later, puts it this way. It says, To be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. Do you see what God is doing there for us? He's promising us that when we turn to look to him, his righteousness is imputed. Martin Luther, the reformer, is reported to have called this the great exchange, saying that God takes our sin and in its place he imputes to us his righteousness. Now church, I would want you to have clarity, that's our real hope of salvation. When God looks at me, he doesn't see my shortcomings and my failures and all the things that are wrong in my life. Instead, he sees the righteousness of his own son, Jesus, that has been imputed to me. That's why all throughout the New Testament, we have these glorious verses that talk about being hidden in Christ, clothed in Christ, walking in 
Christ. I, this morning, I don't know how you see yourself, but if you're a child of God, it's so important you know how God sees you. You're fully accepted and loved because you have been accepted through the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to our lives. And when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of his own son. And so what I would remind you of this morning, the gospel that was powerful enough to save you is still in the process of saving you. And that same gospel will always have more than enough power to save you. It's why Paul quotes the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk with this phrase, from faith to faith. The righteous shall live by faith. It reminds us that our righteousness comes only by God, and it is imputed to us only on the basis of faith in His Son Jesus and what Jesus has already done for us. That's the hope that we have this morning. Well, honestly, I, I genuinely don't know how he knew that I was out there. Maybe you didn't know. But eventually, Jason's dad came walking out into the barn where I was. He looked up in the loft, and he said to me, son, we, we all feel like crying here tonight. But it's really important you know that J- Jason's okay. Just moments before he died, he, he looked to his mama and me and said, Daddy, I'm ready to go see Jesus. That was more than just a sentiment. It turns out that someone had shared the gospel with my one, and Jason had put his faith in Jesus and was saved. Aren't you Aren't you glad God loves your one even more than you do this morning? But here's the thing, church family. Every one of us, whether here in person or watching online, you have a Jason in your life today. And you still have an opportunity to be the one who tells your one about Jesus. I'm going to urge you, don't, don't miss that chance. Now, you don't know me, but, but I would want to say to you in all sincerity, I'm not, I'm not trying to guilt you this morning. I'm really not trying to beat you up or make you feel bad for an opportunity that you missed. And, and I'm certainly not trying to say to you that ever since that night in that barn, I've always gotten it right and I've never missed a chance. No, that's obviously not true. What I am doing is I'm just, just very honestly and transparently sharing my experience with you an experience that I, I don't want you to share. I don't want you to be where I was, realizing I never shared the best news with my best friend. And so as we transition to our time of invitation this morning, an opportunity for us to respond in obedience to whatever the Lord is saying to your heart today, here's what I'm specifically going to invite you to do. Many, if not most of you, some months ago, you've already identified your one through this process Pastor Harold's leading you through. And more than likely, you've written that name down somewhere. You wrote it on a bookmark, or you've, or you've written it somewhere to stay in front of you, to help you be faithful, to pray for that person. I'm going to ask you this morning, in just a moment, as Pastor Danny and the worship team will come, lead us in a time of invitation. I'm going to ask you to pull that name back out again. Maybe you've not yet written it down. I would encourage you to write it down this morning. Write it down somewhere that you'll see it, somewhere you can keep it in front of you. And as we sing a song in just a moment, a song of invitation, I'm going to encourage you to devote that time in prayer for your one. You might want to bring that name to the altar this morning, spread out, socially disappropriately. You, you might make an altar wherever you are. But, but I would ask you this time to begin to pray that God would send somebody into your one's life who could tell him or her about Jesus. Better yet, better yet, 
why not, why not pray that God would open a door for you to have a chance to come? In fact, church family, can I, can I ask, what, what, would, what would keep you from maybe even just calling or going to see your one today? Setting up a time with them this week that you could visit with them over coffee or have a phone call or a Zoom call and just have a, an effort to have that, that gospel conversation. What, what would keep you from trying to tell your one about Jesus this week? very possible some of you are here or you're listening online and as we're having this conversation you're beginning to realize more than likely you're probably somebody in need that if a friend or a family member is writing a name down right now it could very well be your name because they, they have a burden for you they, 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 they so very much want what's best for you they, they want God's best for you you can find that this morning well, why not surrender your life to Jesus today We'd love to have a conversation with you about what that can look like. Again, some of us would be available here today. We can socially appropriately at least initiate that conversation. Those of you watching online, there'll be a number you can text, and somebody would love to follow up right away and just have a conversation with you about what it can look like to have the power of God begin to work in your life and bring hope, hope abundant, nothing that any of our ones need anymore than an opportunity to hear and give their lives to Jesus. There's nothing you need anymore this week than to find through faith a personal relationship with Jesus. Would you stand with me as we pray? Pastor Danny and the worship team will lead us in a time of response. Father, we thank you that you loved us enough that while we were still yet sinners, you sent Jesus who was willing to die for us, to pay the penalty on the cross for the sins that we have committed. Father, we didn't even know we needed that, but, but there's nothing we needed anymore. You provided it. You've pursued us in love. You've pursued us in grace. Father, I can't help but believe there are some here today, either in person or maybe watching online, that are running their own road, and they, they don't know that they need you. But, Lord, I know you're, you're pursuing them this week. Would you help them stop and turn around? so they can find faith and life again. Many of us, maybe most of us here this morning, have experienced the amazing grace in our lives. Could you renew our joy this morning? We're going to sing in a second. Lord, I pray that, it, that we sing with renewed vigor, celebrating your love for us and, and all that you've done for us, that, that, that you would hear in our hearts how much we love you, how much we're, we're grateful. Father, you're also laying in many people's minds right now, their hearts, to face the name of the one. Oh God, would you help us to be faithful to share the good news with our one and anyone that we might reach. It's in his name that we pray.
Amen. Amen. You guys came to sing today. It was awesome. So before we go, just like I wanted to mention, um, the deacon ballots, Carl's got them in his hand back there on your way out. If you want one, ask him or one of the other guys back there, and they'll give them to you. And then they're collecting those at the First Impressions booth. Thank you, Brother Rob, for bringing the message this morning. And um, three or 4 p.m. at Burlington Elementary School, we are going to have a prayer walk. And uh, Mason, get up here. Jeff, you might have to wrangle him up here, but we want to just uh, get him up here. He gets nervous in front of people. If you've talked to him, you wouldn't believe that, but, but he does. Get up here, buddy. <laughs> so this is Mason, and he's the guy that got baptized for you guys that don't know him. Uh, let's give him a big hand. And Mason, when, when Brother Harold gets back from Amish country with all that cheese, we're going to have a, a, a certificate for you and um, a Bible just for you. So thanks. And thanks for letting me do that, buddy. I appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you, guys. And uh, we're going to pray. And um, I don't know the protocol for telling Mason you're proud of him, so just yell at him as you go by, I guess. Um, this is kind of a new thing. So um, just uh, tell him how happy you are that he's in our family now and uh, in our family forever. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for, for, for Mason's decision. Lord, we thank you for the message Brother Rob had for us this morning. And Lord, we just thank you for just continually blessing this church, even during this time. There's just so much going on outside of these walls, and we, we just thank you for all the blessings that we can have as a church family. And just to see people come to Christ is just awesome. Lord, we just, uh, we just love you, and we thank you for your son, Jesus, who died for us. And give us the, um, the strength, the courage, and the opportunity to have those gospel conversations with people as they, as they pop up, Lord. And uh, we just thank you for that reminder. Let's just help us keep praying for our ones. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.